and welcome to this week's episode of Everybody's Fits Podcast. I'm Amy. And I'm Kim. And this week we have the lovely Becca King on with us. Now, Becca is an ADHD, as she calls herself, and a nutritionist working with other people with ADHD. So Becca, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself and, and the work that you do? Yeah. So yeah, I'm a dietitian. I have ADHD and I work with mostly women who struggle with disordered eating or binge eating and have ADHD. Um, and I kind of help them learn intuitive eating um, so that they can kind of feel their relationship with food and ideally, you know, stop binge eating if that's something that they struggle with as well. So, And is there a sort of a huge difference for people with ADHD who are struggling with these things to, to people who don't yeah Yeah. I think the difference is sometimes it's not necessarily like for some folks who struggle with binge eating it might be like I'm trying to control my weight or diet and then like they restrict and then binge um or people just have a different relationship with food I think it's not sometimes it's not intentional or it's not like a traditional eating disorder in the sense that it's a response or wanting to control your weight. Um, it's more um, issues with executive functioning. So like some of my clients will struggle with like, I call it the ADHD binge restrict cycle of like not eating all day. And then you, you're either your meds were off or you relax and then you, you know, binge or eating for stimulation is a big thing too, where um, ADHD brains are lower in dopamine. So we're kind of always constantly seeking sources of stimulation and food for most people is a pretty accessible source of stimulation and it doesn't require a lot of effort either to eat. Um, So it, I think, can kind of become, unfortunately, some people's only source of stimulation or one of their few sources of stimulation. And then that can kind of lead to overeating or binge eating. Yeah, do you know, that is me in a nutshell with the the stimulation and the the food. It's, um, you know, if I always have to have some kind of stimulation. So yeah. I'm all like right now I'm like fiddling with stuff and like, <laughs> that's why I love exercise so much. Cause it gives me that just what exactly what I need in terms of sort of the, the you know, the dopamine and stim- stimuli, stimuli, oh, yeah. stimulation is, is the word. <laughs> so, um, is it possible then? I mean, I, I, I know the answer, but for somebody with ADHD to be also an intuitive eater, it, is it is it definitely possible for people? I would say yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think you have to look at intuitive eating as like a framework and sometimes it needs to be adapted to work for you. Like for some people, especially ADHDers, if you are on a stimulant or you don't recognize like body or you struggle with recognizing hunger cues um the idea of like the principle of eat when you're hungry or honoring your hunger is like that's might not be intuitive or for some people be like well if I just ate intuitively I wouldn't eat all day and then I'd binge at night and it's like well we know that that's not like an ideal eating pattern um and so it can be you know for some of my clients it might be hey to remember to eat regularly throughout the day I might have to set alarms but that doesn't mean I'm not intuitively eating it's just using 
external support to kind of help with that so that, you know, because you might not remember or um, you might get hyper-focused and like, again, forget or um, not have enough time in your day. So you're like, I'll just wait, <laughs> um, so things like that. So have you always been sort of the intuitive eating you know root with with um with towards food and, and things or is definitely it definitely not <laughs> <laughs> I um in high school I started counting calories to be healthy I was I'm putting air quotes around that because I was already very active and pretty I was healthy like there really was no reason for me to be <laughs> doing that um and that kind of quickly spiraled I would say I kind of got like hyper focused on healthy eating um and I ended up turning into anorexia and then um after I got to college I started eating again but the pendulum kind of swung the other way and it was more binge eating and so then it just felt like for years I was constantly trying to do different things to like stop binge eating and it would usually be some form of restriction of whether it was like, I'll do a juice cleanse. Like, that's not going to make you stop binge eating. <laughs> it's just not. Um, and usually that meant the time I tried that, I maybe lasted a day and then had a massive binge because who can survive on drinking juices all day long? Probably not. Um, and then, yeah, I've tried like all sorts of crazy, you know, bad diety things, thinking that they would fix the binge eating, but it really only made it worse and then I was in grad school um and I found some dietitians talking about intuitive eating on social media and one of my friends had done like a internship with a really popular intuitive eating dietitian in the area and I was like oh I was like what are these dietitians talking about like these dietitians are you know having ice cream when they want and they're not binge eating or just like being completely free around food and it was such a kind of foreign idea to me or it just seemed crazy and I was like this is absolutely woo-woo like you can listen to your body like what are these dietitians talking about and then I was like well they look really happy and like they look like they're actually enjoying food and I like food I just have this really really messed up relationship with it and I was like you know I'm gonna give this a try because clearly nothing none of these other things that I'm doing are, are working. And then it, it took me a little while, but it cl clicked. And I was like, this is, this makes way more sense than everything else I've been trying to do. So. When were you diagnosed with ADHD and what was that like? 19. Um, I, let's see, 19. I got to college. I did really, I feel like I have a kind of a classic in a sense story with ADHD as a as a woman where I did really well in school um until I got to college and then like not having that structure and my mom constantly keeping me busy and doing things um I got to school and I was like I don't know how to do it like I can't function like I can't do the things I want to do I can't keep my bed my dorm room was thank god I didn't have like I had my own dorm room and I didn't have to share it with anyone it was a disaster it was like we just closed Becca's door because she doesn't know how to put her clothes away um so it was like a lot of those things and just I had terrible self-esteem and 
my roommate at the time, um, who's now my best friend had ADHD and we were like two peas in a pod. And I was talking to my therapist about it. And I was like, I really think I have ADHD. Um, and so she tested me and then I got diagnosed and got continued with therapy and started medication and that was life-changing. So yeah did it help you have a bit more compassion towards yourself and sort of explain why yeah I think at the time I didn't fully understand like how much ADHD impacted my life like I think it was kind of one of those things like cool now I can actually do my schoolwork and do the things I like I can keep my apartment clean this is nice cool it wasn't until like later in life that I really understood like how much it impacted me or like the other pieces, like being medicated and going through therapy for me, like regulating my emotions. I didn't really realize that was part of part of ADHD and looking back, I'm like, oh, this makes so much more sense. Um, but those sorts of things were night and day compared to when, like before my diagnosis. So. Yeah. So when, when did you kind of realize that you, you could work with people specifically with ADHD as a dietitian, and that that was what you wanted to do because I, I personally didn't even realize that there were dietitians that specifically would work with people with ADHD yeah. which may, it makes sense because yeah. it's just it's like another form of another layer almost of mental health when dealing with disordered eating and eating disorders isn't it yeah yeah so I knew I, when I started my practice, I was like, I know I want to do like intuitive eating work. I just don't know like who I want to work with. And I was working with a really good friend who also has ADHD and thinking about my own story. And I was like, there's this whole component of ADHD playing in here. And then when I would look at anything for nutrition and ADHD, it was just like, how to feed your kid who's on stimulants or just like eat this, not that for ADHD. And, but like really no resources for adults with ADHD. And I was like, cool, all of these kids become adults and have to feed themselves. And most of, most women don't get diagnosed until they're adults and they struggle with feeding themselves. And I did a like poll in a Facebook support group or like something like that. And all these, like almost every woman who completed it said they struggled with binge eating that had ADHD. And I was like, no one is talking about this uh, like at all. And I was like, this is crazy. And like, there's research, there's, you know, it was like footnotes and research. And I was just like, this is a really big deal. Like we have to eat, you know, at least ideally at least three times a day, if not more. Um, and, and it's a challenge. And this is like, and I had worked with clients too in the past that even following like a diet for them was it just, they, couldn't because of ADHD or they couldn't do the things that the plan required and they would just get looked at as like oh they're just being non-compliant or they just don't care and I was like no this is because they have ADHD because they'd be like why can't they journal and I'm like it's an extra step in this whole process of feeding themselves and like for some of my clients they get hyper-focused on it like I was when I had my eating disorder or it's just like something that just isn't going to happen or they don't remember to do it until they're walking into the office and they're like, oh yeah, I was supposed to do that thing. (laughs) So yeah, I was just realizing that there was really a need for it and that no one was talking about it. And so I remember working with my business coach and she worked in pediatric nutrition. So she was like, I don't 
know. You could tell she was very skeptical because she just saw it as like the little boy with ADHD kind of thing. And I um, ended up being like, I'm going to talk about this. And sure enough, it just did really well um, on social media. And that's kind of how I got started. It was the beginning of the pandemic. So I had an abundance of free time to like hyper-focus and learn a lot more about ADHD just beyond my own personal experience. Um, so, yeah. So how do you actually manage your own ADHD? Because it must be so difficult having your own business and dealing with your own past trauma, the issues that you've had with food, which I know that sitting in a space sometimes, for me, sitting in the space that I sit in when I've had my own past issues with exercise and eating it's it's helpful but also occasionally when you're struggling with it it, it's it can be difficult um so when you're hyper focused it must be great but then when you're kind of in that phase of scatterbrained everywhere it must be extremely difficult how do you how do you manage that I think owning your own business as an ADHD or can it has it has its pros and its cons for sure like the freedom like not having a boss is amazing for my brain like being able to do what I want to do is awesome but you I just have to balance that with my impulsivity of like you know doing the boring tasks that you have to do to run a business aren't always um fun and it can be very easy to get sucked into like a friend being like hey do you want to go do this and being like yeah I should do that you know I should you know work on some numbers on something but I'm gonna go do that you know thing I shouldn't do instead um so I got when I started my business I worked with an ADHD coach to kind of like work on how do I schedule my life in a way that works for me because neurotypical strategies with like scheduling and planning just don't work (laughs) you said that you you work with women have you ever had any men approach yes yeah yeah I've worked with some men um I usually just never have enough at the same time to like do a small group together they usually all kind of trickle in at different times um so I've had a couple men in my groups but I just find they have a different relationship with food and their bodies like they don't deal with the same diet they still deal with diet culture but it's not quite the same as it is I feel like for women um and I've also had some non-binary folks in my groups too um so I've definitely worked with a wide variety of people from you know um different places but it's just I think yeah they don't deal with like the that need that just all of the messaging that we as women typically deal with about our the way we're supposed to look um I don't think they deal with that as much no no one of the things that um that I struggle with a lot is I'm I'm a very like all or nothing person and I think that's kind of probably quite typical (laughs) 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 it's like if if I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it right or not at all and and that's it and um if she's gonna do something she's gonna do 10,000 things all at once all at the same time (laughs) and out doing it yeah and the next day I'll just be lying on the sofa like a (laughs) the whole day it's either like yeah it's it's um 
I personally um, uh, struggle with my um, with with my food because I'm trying to get more into the intuitive eating um, side of it because obviously I've had that very all or nothing approach to dieting and um, it it is it is so so difficult you know when you add it's sort of stepping away from dieting and going into intuitive eating is is very very difficult and then when you add that kind of all or nothing approach to it and then i like having like set rules almost of like right well this is what i should be doing at this time in a way with with like related to what you said about not having a boss as well <laughs> like so it's just yeah, yeah it's like yeah it's it I is think some people like it because it just takes if feeding yourself is overwhelming having a diet or rules to follow I think can be appealing to people because then it's like okay I can check those boxes and it it gives me something I have to do versus intuitive eating can feel a little bit more I guess ambiguous in a sense where it's like oh there aren't clear-cut guidelines here or like every single plate that I eat you know has to have the same exact portions of you know of you know my protein and my veggies and my carb you know it all can be different and I think that that makes it a little bit more challenging to like conceptualize because there aren't necessarily like you need to eat x amount of this this and this and you know you know do all these different things I think it doesn't and it must, it must be quite overwhelming as well if you've been given this ADHD diagnosis later in life and you yeah. recognize that you do have these struggles with food and you're yeah. trying to sort of navigate the two paths at the same time um, and then you've got all of this outside messaging telling you how you should eat and what you should eat and, and how you how you should live even yeah <laughs> and and I know for, you know, for the majority of people, um, at some point in their lives, they've been on a diet and eating is difficult. And, and yeah, having that extra layer has got to be really stressful. Do you find that most of the people you deal with have been diagnosed later in life? And if you've had people who have been diagnosed earlier, do you see a difference in how they manage to change their mentality with food? And I think that's a good question. I do <laughs> see, I think the difference usually if I have someone who's diagnosed younger, they've maybe been on medication a lot longer or they've stopped medication. And so they are not used to what hunger feels like being unmedicated because they've been medicated since they were very young. Um, so I see that usually is pretty common. Um, but it kind of, I think the big differentiator is like how much you've been influenced by diet culture. Cause I've had some clients who really aren't at all. And that makes it pretty easy to eat intuitively or a lot easier. But then I have some folks who still are in somewhat in that dieting place or haven't quite broken free from that and that's usually where it's a little bit harder to work on things do you have many that that haven't been involved in diet culture or so I have some or when we start working together they're like yeah I really I they maybe have never done a formal diet but their parents were really controlling with the way that they ate um or they have like a like good and bad, you know, mentality around food. Um, 
but they maybe haven't done like, I haven't, they haven't been on like Weight Watchers or, you know, some sort of specific program, but they've done different things that are still in the dieting lens. And it kind of, as we start working, they're like, oh wait, I have been influenced by diet culture. Like (laughs) I just haven't realized that it's usually very, a little bit more subconscious, but because they haven't done, if they haven't done like a program or something like that, they don't have that like plan in the back of their head, but like, I should be doing what I did when I did this one diet. So they don't necessarily have all that. Or sometimes if you've done multiple diets and a lot of times they conflict, the rules conflict with each other, then you have like all this confusion about like, am I supposed to be eating? Depending on like, if you did in the nineties, like the fat-free era, and now it's like the complete opposite with keto. It's like, these are very mixed messages. And like, that's confusing for your body and for your brain. Yeah. So for, for someone like me that uses food as a form of stimulation and pretty much binges, um, I would say, um, what, do you have sort of some coping strategies? I'm just getting free, free ther- therapy now, but like for the listeners, <laughs> you can relate as well. I think... Um, Thinking about it, like in intuitive eating, I like to think of eating for stimulation, like emotional eating um, or coping with your emotions with food, um, kind of in the same area, because it does feel like boredom eating sometimes um, for a lot of people if they don't know what it is. Um, and so I kind of like to look at it the same as like you would look at emotional eating and intuitive eating where like, you're not going to say never do it because that's not realistic. Like, food is just a part of so many parts of our lives. So like it it is used for emotional reasons and that's okay. Um, Should it's obviously not going to fix whatever is going on, (laughs) you know, but I think acknowledging like food can be a source of stimulation. It's just trying to be as mindful and present as possible. So you can kind of maximize the stimulation you're going to get from it. Because if you're like sitting in front of the TV and eating a bag of potato chips, there's a good chance that you're not even like really connecting with the food with your, you know, or if you're like some of my clients where, or even myself where like I am on my phone and watching TV and having a snack. And it's like, you are completely disconnected from that food. Even if your brain is getting some stimulation, you're not enjoying any of the sensory aspect of that food, which is also stimulating. Like that's why all of the lovely fidgets and sensory toys that are out there because the sensory aspect also gives us stimulation. So it's not just the food itself, but the, you know, the texture and the taste and being more present and connected with it, you can often maximize that satisfaction. Um, and so you might, and that dopamine, so you might not need as much of that food to get stimulation from it. Um, that's one piece of it. And then the other piece I would say is having a toolkit of other things like movement, like what you mentioned, like that's a really great source of stimulation. Um, and so finding other things that you can do, um, like I keep fidgets on my coffee table because I could mindlessly snack all night long watching TV. Cause it's just not stimulating enough for my brain, but I just need something to do with my hands. And I'm like, okay, we just had dinner. I'm actually not hungry for anything. <laughs> I just want something to do. And like having a fidget or something in my hand to occupy me ends up being a great solution. how do you um how do you calm your brain how do you kind of sort of relax because I find it impossible how do you do it (laughs) um I have done meditation I find can be really relaxing um 
it takes a little bit of practice, I think, to get used to it as an ADHD -er. Cause I know for me, when I first heard about meditation, I was like, I can't do that. My brain never shuts off. And I had to learn that like, oh, meditation is not that your brain, there's just like nothing going on up there. It's just being able to kind of redirect your thoughts back or your mind back to your breathing. When you notice you're kind of wandering into your thoughts. I found that's really helpful. Um, baths can be something I, but I can, can't sit in a bath very long because I'm too hyperactive. I'm like, what do I do in here? <laughs> this isn't as relaxing as like they make it seem on TV shows and movies. Um, playing with my dog is relaxing. Um, I think even just spending time outside or away from technology too, just things like that um, can be really great or helpful, at least for me. Um, those are things that I find very helpful with relaxing. I've recently got um, two um, baby rabbits and I have to say they when you said about spending time with your dog like these these little bunnies well they're pretty big they're big bunnies French <laughs> lops so they're going to be very very big but I've really I've noticed like how much that helps with like my anxiety and just spending time because you're still doing something and you're still you know and they're and they're so soft and just cuddling them and I ne I, I hadn't realized how much that can you know help spending time yeah. with, with animals I suppose I suppose that's probably one of the reasons why they have sort of therapy animals for other um neurodiverse because my son's um autistic and yeah. um you know that that's interesting i'm pretty sure he's got adhd as well but um when he was diagnosed it was just um they just said asd um okay. i'm gonna he's 11 so i'm gonna um get him go back and, and check yeah. it out but yeah anyway i went off on a tangent there it's just interesting <laughs> about, about the dog and um i think spending time outside is definitely important but was yeah, I found it interesting when you were saying about sitting and you can't just sit and watch something on TV like you've got to be doing something else because m me and my husband for a long time have been having conversations about how he ha like is undiagnosed ADHD 100% and <laughs> he he's like hyper focused like his job is really stressful and he's always like okay but at the same time when he's not working he he can't just sit he's like constantly scrolling on his phone and or if we're watching tv on a night he's got to be on his phone at the same time or he's got to be like doing some work he can't sit all the time and I've never thought about I, I might just get him a fidget spinner or something to sit in <laughs> and do you think that, that it's got to be I am very much like I Kim and I have had the conversation of I have always got to be doing something. I've always got to be busy. I wouldn't attribute that to ADHD because I just, I wouldn't. I think it's it's yeah. just my personality. Yeah. But the extremes are very extreme. And I wonder how, if you're working with someone who does swing from hyper-focused to all over the place, <laughs> how do they then deal with okay I'm hyper focused on working on intuitive eating then all of a sudden they have this huge binge because they are 
a little bit erratic and then they go back to the hyper focus and I imagine that that intensifies the frustration of the binge so how do you then work with someone through that that's a really good question I think I think the difference with that was really crucial especially for me was unlike a regular diet you can't fail at intuitive eating so even looking at like if you binge it being a learning opportunity or a chance to learn more about your body or your brain. Um, and you know, if, if I binged when I first started my intuitive eating journey, obviously like you're not just going to start, stop binging automatically. It would be lovely if that happened. Um, but if you've been struggling with binge eating for a while, like it's not just going to happen overnight, it's a process. Um, so when it would happen, it would just, instead of me beating myself up, which does absolutely nothing when you're binge eating, it just makes it worse. <laughs> Usually instead of beating myself up, I'd get curious and be like, so why did I binge? Like, you know, probably practicing self-compassion first and then being like, Hey, let's explore why this happened, whether it's journaling or just thinking about like, Oh, Hey, you didn't eat lunch or you barely, you didn't have enough carbs at lunch. You just had a salad. So like you came home and you were really hungry in the evening and you binged and, you know, or there was maybe some other emotional thing going on and just being able to understand why and not look at it as like, I failed or I've like taken a step back. It's just an opportunity to like get curious and learn more. And then the next time it happens, or I can strategize like, okay, if I want to have a salad for lunch tomorrow, what can I pack with my salad to bring to work? So I'm getting enough, you know, getting more carbs in at lunch. So I'm not ravenous in the evening. So kind of just learning, like almost problem solving a little bit. Um, but I think it's just, yeah, trying to reframe it as like an opportunity to learn I saw another, I saw a creator once share something about like eating disorder recovery. And I wish I could find the post because I really liked it and I can't find it, but it was kind of along the lines of like, even if you get to a place where you feel like you have hit recovery and then you binge again, looking at it as like, there's some sort of unmet need there, or your body is trying to, you know, deal with something in a way that like using a coping skill that it used in the past. And that doesn't necessarily mean that like, oh, you're all the way back to the beginning where you were, you know, when you were in the thick of binge eating, it's more of just like, Hey, I need to check in with myself. And, you know, am I not engaging in enough self-care or like, is there something deeper that like some other thing that I'm not addressing that's causing me to feel a certain way. So I'm turning to food to kind of deal with those emotions, kind of just being able to dig deeper and work through some of those things so I think it's just a different mindset because when you're in the thick of binge eating I feel like you just beat yourself up and it does nothing when you're doing that when you're just like why do we do this we're such a failure this is why you can't control yourself around food like you're a terrible person you know all of the mean things we say to ourselves when you're binge eating and it like does nothing it's not going to make it better but for whatever reason I think a lot of people think that like I need to be harsh on myself for doing this thing and it's like <laughs> it does nothing it's yeah. like <laughs> it's 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 I suppose it's about building that connection with yourself and because yeah. a lot of the time um I know for me especially if it's something that you've done and all the times when you've not like for me I've dieted and then not dieted and dieted and then all of the times when I've not dieted I've just it's almost like it's become like automatic and it's just like, oh, it's just something I do. And then 
it would for me it would be right okay well I've done it enough now I need to go back on my diet and then yeah. obviously I'd lose the weight and then I'd be like well this this is not sustainable come off the diet <laughs> and then I go I'm like <laughs> but um I suppose it it is just sort of like slowing down slowing your mind down yeah. and finding that connection and compassion and and getting curious about why am I doing that? And as you say, not beating yourself up about it, but just just trying to say, oh, okay, well, I've done that because of that, and that's happened because of that, and you know, and it's 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 quite a a, a strong element of self care, I'd say, you know, yeah. self love, yeah. if you can call it that. But yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of finding that middle ground too, because I think even if you don't have ADHD, if you are kind of in that binge restrict or like I diet and then I don't diet and the, like the pendulum just kind of going back and forth and back and forth and it's exhausting and it's intuitive eating is like kind of finding that middle ground between like usually when you're on a diet, like you tend to eat more fruits and vegetables and those sorts of things. Like there are parts of diets that are obviously good for our overall health and then there's parts that are obviously not, but it's finding that middle ground between like, yeah, I can enjoy, you know, cake and pizza and all of the fun foods that are out there but I can also eat my fruits and vegetables and I don't have to be on one end of the spectrum or the other I can kind of have that that middle ground um and not have to feel guilty of like I feel like it's so funny where people are like I feel bad because like you know I had a burger for dinner and and it's like okay that's okay like you're allowed to have a burger if you want to have one like and other days, you know, maybe it is that you want a salad for dinner instead. And like one isn't necessarily going to be better than make you a better person than the other. I think because a lot of times people internalize their food choices, um, like you're good for making one or you're bad for making a different one. Do you have many people coming to you wanting to lose weight? Is that quite a, a common thing? Yes and no, I would say. Um I think initially some of my clients still will want to lose weight, um, which is like a totally normal part of intuitive eating. Um, I think, and especially if you've been entrenched in diet culture, it's really hard to not want to um, lose weight. Um, I occasionally will have people who just want weight loss and I usually won't. If that's all they want, we usually, I'm usually probably not a good fit for people who only want weight loss. Um, but I think as people work on getting away from diet culture and learning to trust their bodies, um, I think there's kind of a shift where it's like, I don't, I don't need to lose weight, like being more comfortable in their current body. Um, but I think it's, it's really hard because you still hear all of the dieting messages or it's like well I have high cholesterol so I need to lose weight and it's like well there's all these other things we can do diet wise that can actually help your cholesterol that will lower it whereas if you lose weight it might help but but it doesn't always guarantee that and I think that's kind of always as well yeah it's like if there's any of these things going on it's like just lose weight and it's like that might help but there's usually other interventions that can help without having to go on some sort of crazy diet of yeah. just, you know, focusing on certain, you know, like if you have high blood pressure, losing weight can help to some degree, but also just maybe reducing your sodium content or managing your stress butter 
those are other things that can help without having to be like, I have to go on this really crazy diet to, <laughs> to lower my blood pressure or whatever it is. So I think sometimes it's often there's other things going on and doctors always just put weight loss as the first thing to like do to deal with it. And it puts the pressure on the patient or the client when doctors do that versus um, them actually working with you and helping you because it, you know, I think in my opinion, it's lazy advice because they can just write it in your chart and they don't, they can give you a piece of paper about how to lose weight and check yeah. the box that they set it. And then they come back, you come back for a checkup and they're like, why didn't you lose weight? And it's like, it's not that easy. <laughs> you know, like, um, no, no. But I mean, that's the thing you can say that about pretty much most health conditions. Yeah. Oh, I've had clients say that they have depression and their doctor tells them you just lose weight. And it's like, <laughs> how, yeah. how, how, like, how is that like good medical advice? Like just yeah. lose weight that you'll be okay with so many things. Or I've had people go in for a cold and then the doctor tells them that they need to lose weight and they're like I'm here for antibiotics I'm not here for you to talk to me about weight loss like this is yeah and I mean this is the reason one of the reasons why so many people do avoid going to the doctors and then that's why it makes things way worse <laughs> yeah and, and that's why perhaps some of the statistics are you know how they are with with people in larger bodies sometimes their health is worse and that's because they don't want to go to the blooming doctor because the doctor yeah, telling them it's to traumatize it's yeah. traumatizing yeah. like uh. has there been any instance for you when you've worked with a client that really stands out as like a moment that is happy to you like because it must be so rewarding when yeah. people have been struggling for so long so without obviously without saying too much because I know we've got to protect your clients is there any in particular that you can think of I had a client I'm trying to think I have several stories that are just amazing um it was anything one that comes to mind I had a client that grew up with a lot of food insecurity and had ADHD obviously, but with the food insecurity, like a different form of restriction there or deprivation. Um, and so anytime they would order food, it would be, I need all of the, I have to stop at fast food and get, you know, the largest portion of everything, regardless of how hungry I am. Um, just binging sometimes multiple times a day and by the time we were done working together it was just eating regular meals um getting their water in actually doing exercise again and like didn't feel this urge every time like if they had to stop and pick up a prescription at the pharmacy they would go buy all of the candy and soda that they wanted and go home and binge on it and they're like I can go to the store now and not have this urge to go get all of this food or I can order what the amount that I actually you know, can tune into what my body needs now versus just getting what, you know, my brain is telling me to get every single time, regardless of how hungry I am. So like, that was a really awesome shift to see. So that's amazing, especially when someone's lived like that for so long, and thought that that's just how they're going to live for the rest of their lives. Yeah. It, it is quite literally life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, I love, I love helping others just, yeah, feel free around food and like to not 
binge eat anymore and feel comfortable in their bodies. I think it's just really transformational or to just feel comfortable with like, Hey, I might, I might cook or do things a little bit differently than everyone else because I need to, um, because that's what works with my brain. Like, I'm not going to do the traditional, you know, spend all day on Sunday in the kitchen meal prepping. Cause that doesn't work with my brain, but I know how to, you know, utilize different foods or convenience type things like a salad kit or rotisserie chicken. So I can make nutritious meals for myself at home, but it not have to feel like it's like this huge, exhausting process. <laughs> you know, I mean, well, I think you do absolutely amazing work. Like, thank you. As, as you say, it is life changing and it's, it's something that I wasn't even aware that was needed and, and yeah. learning more about it is fascinating. But also I imagine that there are people out there that didn't even know that there was access to a service that was specifically for them. And yes, it is usually like a, for a lot of my clients, ADHD often is the missing component of like, I've been struggling and trying to work on my relationship with food or to, you know, like, and that, not understanding that that's a piece and then it's like a light bulb like oh okay this makes so much more sense as to why I've been struggling because we just often you don't think about it that way you think of it as like a struggle with work and school and like don't realize that it is it does usually impact every part of your life and food is a part of that so oh thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure learning and I absolutely love your content it helps me so much and just um becoming a bit more understanding of myself and then also for other people that don't have HHD you know more compassionate and understanding of them so it's if anyone that doesn't follow um definitely follow it's ADHD nutritionist isn't it ADHD.nutritionist. We will put it in the show notes and I'm sure you will have a lot of new followers after this. But thank you so much for speaking to us, Becca, and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Yes, definitely. Thank and you. have a wonderful Christmas. You too. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye.